Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everybody. Ethan here. What up, everybody? Mike here. And welcome to the Blue Note Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things St. Louis Blues. It is episode number 33. It's the little guy episode. Eric Boganicki. For those who do not know much here about Eric Boganicki, he was pretty much a one-hit wonder. Um, I think that's the best way to be able to describe yeah. the five-foot-eight forward here for the Blues. He played seven years in the NHL. Five years with St. Louis, 125 games, 65 points. But boy, he had just such a great year. He had one season, 22 goals, 49 points. I mean, other than that, his next highest point total here was like 16 points. So I'm going to give it up here for the little guy here with episode 33, Eric Boganicki. I I, I got to give it to him. Got to give Very it to him. rare, very rare that you have a guy who's played 13 games and has produced one point. To come out and score 22 goals and 49 points right. the next year, that's right. very rare. It's, I mean, and then kind of, you know, you got what you expected from him probably after that. I mean, another guy that was an eighth-round pick. So, yeah. you know, there's still there's seven rounds now. So he was around when there were more than seven mm-hmm. rounds. And uh, obviously the Blues traded him to the Penguins in 05 mm-hmm. for Steve Popst. He's, I mean, he kind of reminds me, statistically speaking, of like an Ivan Barbashev, like not to that complete extent. Yeah. But, you know, because his ice time wasn't all over the place. You know, he was pretty consistent in around 14 minutes here, like with the Blues, but just this random one season that he just like went off. So I don't know if that's going to happen with Barbashev. I hope it doesn't happen well, with Barbashev, but we'll I see. I think Boganicki's floor is a little bit lower than Barbashev's. Yeah. Yeah. Because Barbashev is a guy who's producing like 20, 30 points. Right. Or 26, 26. And he had 12 points in 38 games in uh, 2020, 21. And then he has the the 60-point season. And obviously, it's a slow start for him this year. We'll get into that. It's a slow start for pretty much everybody. Yeah. But, okay, cool. Thanks for shooting down my analogy. You know, appreciate that. (laughs) So, Uh, You know, it's just the, the, the Blues... Kingdom, what do you want to call it? The blues, the fan base, the the circle, everybody around the team paying attention to the team. It's not a good time right now. It's an abusive relationship. That's yeah. what it is. We want to be with with the person that we love, but they're just they're just treating us so poorly right now. They're just unexpectedly so too. I didn't expect yeah. it to go this way, especially with the way they started. No. But I also think that if you want to make an excuse, I think you could just say the schedule screwed them. If you want to go that route, I don't think that's really true. But if you want to say it, you could. I'm not going to make that excuse for this team. I wouldn't I'm not either. To, I'm not going to. But it's out there. It's definitely out there. Yeah, we could. We could. Um, so before we get into it, you know, again, just remind the listeners, subscribe button here just so you don't miss a single show here. We've got so much Blues hockey to be able to talk about here as the season goes along. If you love what we're doing hit the subscribe button, give us some good feedback, even give us some poor pe- feedback. If you want to see something different, give us some feedback here. We absolutely love it. Get involved here on the conversation over on Twitter at TBN pod. Be sure to, be able to follow us here, our personal accounts. Ethan, what's that Twitter handle here for you? At Ethan Carter SW. You can see me complain about everything in sports. Pretty much is what I do on there. 
your feed is fantastic. Like it'll go from golf to football, <laughs> back to golf to like women's volleyball or something. And I've thought like, about that a lot. It it does change yeah. a lot. Yeah. It's like all the exact same time too. So it's pretty great. Uh, you can really follow me, M underscore Meyer, M-E-Y-E-R three, just to chat with us here throughout the week. Um, I am doing my best to, to live tweet and be able to cover games here, especially in St. Louis, as I'm up in the uh, the press box here with a bunch of the confused, confused gents. So um, normally this is the point in time here, though, that we go around the central. I don't think we're going to do that because I think we have way too much. Like, I think if we get into everything that we wanted to get into here, we're talking about prospects, talking about the rest of the central, this is going to be like a two to three hour pod. And let's be real. I don't have time here for that. You don't have time here for that. The fans don't have time here for that. So let's just dive into, I'll just call it the streak. It's the bad streaking. It's that person you see streaking that you don't want to see them streaking. It's the poor results. It's the, yeah, what was that kind of deal? Because that's just what the last few games have been for the Blues. It's I mean, not been pretty. It it hasn't, and it's not like it's not like an issue where they've been close. Like they were up three to one last night against Montreal, and and yep. just everything fell apart after that. And a lot of it, I think, comes down to the defensive coverage has just been so bad, and they're making mistakes but they're making mistakes that are allowing other teams to score. Like they're turning the puck over and it leads to a score. We've seen it happen so many times. And and the defensive yeah. unit, nobody should really be surprised that they're not that good. Like we, we didn't come into the season thinking that they would be a shutdown unit. We thought that they no. could be good enough to where the Blues could win. Uh, but they're also not scoring their way out of mistakes like they did last season. So right. it's not surprising that when you play this way, you lose four games in a row against teams that you should beat. I think at least three the Blues should be better than at least three of those teams. I think Edmonton's the the outlier, but uh just really, really ugly. And I'm not gonna blame either goaltender either, because they've just been hung out to dry in every right. single game. Right. Yeah. I mean, there was especially like in the game here against um Nashville, they did an overhead view of one of the goals, and I'm I'm blanking here on the goal. I'm I'm coming up with here with this on the spot, so forgive me for not having some some pre-made notes. But I just I watched Colton Pareko go down here to one, maybe both knees right next to the goalpost and just watched the puck go by. Didn't try to get a stick on it. Didn't try to be able to do, I mean, like literally anything, just like just watched it go by. And I don't get it. So let's let's back up just a little bit here. We talk about the streak. The blues are one of four teams to go 0 and 4 here between what was the time frame here it was like the 24th now through the 29th yeah 24th here through the 29th of October the blues are one of four teams Pittsburgh the blues Anaheim and the blue jackets they were outscored 20 to 7 in that time span 20 to 7 they have averaged 1.75 goals for per game and allowing five goals against per game. It's back-to-back games here, isn't it? If I'm if I'm not mistaken, it's back-to-back games that they've allowed a touchdown. 
And I just, I cannot understand what is going on with this team. Barube came out last night and he said, you know, that they haven't really had a lot of time to be able to practice. They haven't had a lot of time to, uh, I, I don't, I don't know. You know, you see Pareko, you, you heard um, Tarasenko come out here and they said, you know, like it's rough. There's still a lot of the season here left to be able to go. You know, yeah, it's just a small little bump. They're frustrated, but you know, they're all confident here in the world to be able to turn it around. And I, and I think they deserve the credit that there is still plenty of time. There's, there's still, I mean, they haven't even played 10 games. So I, I don't know. I mean, let's, let's go back here. I mean, what do you, Ethan, what are you seeing? Well, number one, uh, I'm kind of, I think we're past the days of complaining about Pareko not shooting. I think we should be much more worried about the fact that his defense has been horrendous for three years now. And I still do not, I will never understand why they thought it was a good idea to lock him down for eight years. You know, it's just like, they think he's a player that he's not. I think it's very, very obvious at this point, because you could point to a situation in just about every game where he was out of position or turned the puck over and it led to a goal. Like, I think starting in Winnipeg, we saw some missed coverage and, and obviously Grice was helping save them in that game and then it got too late. And it just has carried over, and it was very evident against Nashville and very evident against Montreal. So I think Pareko has been a big problem. He just hasn't been good. I think another issue, though, is like Ryan O'Reilly's line has just been beaten up. Like they have I not done anything. I can't figure that out. I can't figure yeah. that out. I, I don't I don't can't get really it. say it's because Saad is not in there because he wasn't really doing much when he was playing. I think it's a, it's a factor, and I also think – and. I knew I would say this at some point, but I definitely think that O'Reilly misses Perron in some aspects of of being able yeah. to make, you know, things like Kairou's not going to give you anything defensively. Like that's just obvious. He's just going to coast right. around if he's not touching the puck. And it's just he looked pretty good last night. Uh definitely more aggressive with the puck, shooting it. Which I liked. More, which I definitely liked. Yeah. And yeah. and hopefully he can figure it out. But they got to figure something out with O'Reilly's line, whether it's taking minutes away, making another change, because the third guy on that line in the last couple of games has been great. Braden Shin is off to a great start. And I just don't understand why. Like, how is Ryan O'Reilly a minus 10 in seven games with one point? It's yeah. bizarre. We haven't seen yeah. this at all from him in St. Louis. No. And to be able to add just your point here about Shen, I mean, this guy – ended last season i mean from like christmas on like he constantly had and was playing with like a broken rib at least one so i as a huge huge fan and supporter here of Braden chen i love the play that you're seeing here from him the hits he he's just all over the place here right now and i absolutely love what he is bringing here to the game he is one of the top two performers here within this brutal stretch you know one goal four points in four games but of course a minus nine so i i i I don't know what to be able to make here of this i don't know if you can be able to point it here completely to the forwards i don't know if you can point it here directly here to the defense the goaltending yeah i mean you're going to need them to bail you out here some tough spots but like you said like they're being hung out to dry here on so many of these games now I will say here, Grice looked good at some points here against Nashville. 
but holy rebounds. Mm-hmm. He was, I mean, I, I love the kick saves and, and everything that he was doing, but you got to have better rebound control because some of those were ugly, ugly saves and ugly rebounds that, I mean, the defense had no ch- had no opportunity to try and help him out at that point. I mean, he was basically kicking a goal out straight to a to a Nashville forward or defenseman just in it for an easy bang bang goal. So I I don't know. I mean this this is team is in a rough rough spot here. I mean again, we're going to go back here. You want to talk about special teams? Yeah. Cuz we'll talk special teams here. Yeah. 7th in the NHL and this is again during this this 0 and 4 stretch. They're 7th in the NHL with a 30% power play. I love it. They had plenty of different chances here over the last several games. So the fact that they are converting, I love it. But this penalty kill that went, was it 10 for 11 here over their first opportunities or 11 for 11? They had one going into, going into, or I'm sorry, exiting the Nashville game. They had allowed one goal. So that now is below average at 75% tied for 21st in the league. And I'm just going to lump face-offs here into this. I know it's not completely special teams, but it's so uncharacteristic. They're 49.8% on the face-off dot here during that time frame too. So I just... I'm trying not to just let this be all sorts of just doom and gloom, and that's that's it. That's all that we're going to see. But something's got to change. Something's got to change. And I love the mindset that the blues players and the coaches here are giving you like they're not giving you any sorts of excuses. They're determined. They're pissed. I can flat out tell you here, like they're pissed, not just like listening and watching the interviews here with them, but actually being in the locker room with them. They're pissed. They're super frustrated. And I love seeing that, but they also need to have a sense of calm and composure here during the game. Because if they, hit another snag where they say, okay, well, here we go. You know, we were up three to one. Okay. Well now we're down four to three. You just can't have that. And I think they know that. Yeah. I I think the, the weird thing about the face-offs thing is like Achari's been good in the circle. Thomas has been good. O'Reilly's been probably not as good as he usually is, but close. He's Uh, he's just over 52%. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's, you know, I would expect him to be a bit higher, but I'm not going to complain because it's still good. Uh, right. And then I, Barbashev's really struggled 34% and Shin 33%, but Shin's playing on the wing, so he's not taking that many face-offs. Uh, so that's you know a bit of a concern. But the special teams thing, it's like I'm not that worried about the penalty kill. Um, it was really just the one game, the Montreal game, where they gave up a couple. They gave up right. two or three last night. It was two, three? Two. two yeah, two. yeah there were yeah, two for three. The penalty kill has never really been that strong. I mean, last season it was good, but like prior to that under Bruby, it was really never that great. Uh, but th- they're better than 21st that they've been over the last few games. I think they'll figure that out. Yeah. And also I think this, the hope for me would be that this team is one of those teams with a lot of veterans where it's, you, you just got to win one and you feel like you're back on track. Right. And last night was not that game because when it's three, one, you're thinking, okay, just keep adding on or keep, you know, and the Blues tend to right. back up a lot when they have the lead. I don't think For that was really reason. an issue. That wasn't that big of an issue last night, other than the fact that they just 
they just couldn't stop allowing the puck to go in their net. I I don't really know. It's just one of those bizarre games where you you have a bad team coming into town, but a motivated team with a coach that's mm-hmm. done a really good job there. You have former players that have been here before on the other team, which I saw Montreal fans saying it just means that much more to them, which Mike Hoffman sure. played one season here. I right. don't really care about him right. at all, but Jake Allen, <laughs> I understand. And they scored on Allen. They had four goals. So right. uh, I don't know. I mean, and four should be more than enough to win you the game. Yeah, definitely. Bruby said that. Yeah, I think yeah. it should be. And the other thing is, like, even when it's when they get it to six to four, I was still thinking there's still no way they're not going to. Like, they had so many opportunities with the with open nets. Was, um, Walker? Walker, That's yes. One. Thank yep. you. Walker, he could not have put a puck into the ocean last night. Like, he, yeah. he had – he was standing on the beach – he just needed to just uh, just tap it in, just give it a little tappy. That's all he needed to do. And I get it. You know, I'm the person who's watching the game. I'm not actually in the game. I'm not the one who's performing anything. But holy freaking crap! That third period here against Montreal, and I'm and I think that we're using Montreal here just as you know, it's the most recent game. Mm-hmm. That game, that third period especially, looked like somebody was controlling. It looked like a game here, like out of uh, like an NHL 23. There are so many turnovers. There are so many missed chances. But holy crap, how many times are you going to bring the puck down here, string down on, on the left wing side or the right wing side, and try to do a cross eyes pass to the other guy right in front of the net? That looked like something straight out of the video game that you see, and you're like, okay, here's an easy goal. We're going to stream down, cross it right in front of the net, and hope for like a good one-timer goal. And then it misses, it turns over, there's a poke check, neutrals, like whatever it happened, I'm just watching just this, this chaos that seemed like it was this peewee league. And I, 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 I had no words for what I watched. There was no discipline to it at all. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. You don't expect so, that with this team. And, and the other thing no. that I would add is that if you want to have one major positive from this game, it's that it seems like you have something with with the fourth line. It seems like you have something there with Pitlick right. and Achari and Torpchenko. They should add three or four goals. They had one, should right. add three or four. Like Pitlick missed a couple opportunities. Achari missed one. Torpchenko just does exactly what they expect of him in every game, pretty mm-hmm. much. That's a positive. Now, the other thing that I would think about, I don't want to get too far ahead here, but when you're going into this next game, I think you got to make a lineup change of some kind, right? Like you got to, I, I don't know if Nathan Walker should be playing in the game tomorrow. I think, I, I think you bring Brown back probably. Um, yeah. I'm going to look here. I know there's a couple of folks here, like at the practice here this morning. Yeah. Um, Let me see what the practice, the lines here. So the lines here in practice today, you had Buchnevich, Thomas, Tarasenko, Shen, O'Reilly, Cairo. Neighbors, Brown, Barbashev. Interesting Tor- that they're moving Barbashev away from center. I don't. Yes. I mean that's kind of. I don't think anybody expected him to play center during the season anyway. With Shin likely being his center when healthy. Right, and then build around up the fourth line: Torpchenko, Achari, and Pitlick. Mm-hmm. So Walker would be taken out here. I, and I know this is crazy. I I know that fans are going to say, you know, well, I don't know. Would it be all that crazy to send 
shake neighbors down? I don't think so. Because I, and I get it. Like he's not the person, like he's not the reason why this is happening, but he is a player that you can send to the AHL to bring somebody else up. I get like, he's, it's just a casualty here right now. I get it. Neighbors needs to be playing in the NHL. He's an NHL guy. I get it. But right now he's struggling. He's not producing neighbors be able to get this here pulled up neighbors here in this stretch i mean he's put up no points here during this five game stretch he's averaging 12 minutes of ice time he's a minus five so i again i i understand that neighbors is not the guy but he's got one goal this season and a minus four I did add something in my Blues Weekly from today about neighbors either being sent down or taken out of the lineup. I don't think it's crazy. I think he's just not playing confidently. I think a lot of the right. team is is in that same spot. But I think that there's guys you could bring up to give a chance to. Like what we saw from Nikita Alexandrov in in the uh, preseason, he's got eight points in seven games in Springfield. Like right. That's a guy that's right. got to get a And he just scored a hat trick. Yeah. He just scored a hat trick here too. And if you want a winger, since I guess Alexandrov's a center, but I'm sure there's no reason he can't play on the wing. Highmore's yeah. got eight points in eight games, and Ferk has eight points in six games. So there's guys in the AHL that are producing that you could give a chance to. That being said, I don't think the Blues are going to do that right now. I, I don't yeah. think that they're going to do that right now. Yeah, and I, and I don't think so here either, but I just I, I can't help but wonder – if that's a blue, if that's a move, just to simply spark the team, I think that and, move should also they should also consider that move on the back end because Mikkel has been pretty good most of the season, but also there's still he, those, I think he's been underrated. I, I think, think he's so been too. very underrated here so far, and I know that may pain you to be able to say that because I know you're not the biggest Mikula fan. Well, I think that there's still the un the annoying inconsistencies with him, but I sure. also think that he's better than pretty much anybody else that they have defensively other than fall. Yeah. So, which isn't yeah. saying a lot, but when do you give somebody like Tyler Tucker a shot? He's produced in the yeah. AHL. He's looked good. I I think him or Kessel, I, I don't see what, what would the I difference would, be? I would rather see Tucker in the lineup here, just with his ability to play in all situations. I agree. But also what would the difference be if the blues tried Tucker or Kessel on the third pair over a Bortuzzo or over I mean, they don't have the stones to bench Pareko, but um, I don't think there would be that much of a difference from what we've seen. It's like at some point you just can't say, oh, he's playing because he's a vet. I, I don't understand that. And I don't think you can do that, especially when most of the D has looked as bad as it has. And and the other thing right. is I don't I don't understand why we're seeing people complain about Tory Krug's defense as if we expected him to be a good defender. He has one job here which is to move the puck. And he hasn't been that bad defensively, but there's always going to be plays where he, you know, gets beat or looks bad defensively because he's right. not a defensive defenseman. He's there for offense. And that's where Armstrong prioritizing puck moving defenseman has been a bit of an issue because Letty mm-hmm. is supposed to be a puck mover. Nick Letty is a bad defender. And and I don't like people calling him steady Nick Letty anymore. I'm still hearing people say that. I don't like that anymore because he's I, not, he, he's turn turnovers and just, it, it's not he, it. 
he has not had the best of starts here to the season. But again, like you said, this whole defense has not had the best of starts to the season. Except for so, Falk. F- sure, I'll give him that. Again, he's great. <laughs> still, still a minus two here on well, the season. And I everybody's going to be a minus plus, when your goal differential goes from their goal differential in this stretch is minus thirteen, right? So everybody's going right. to drop right. down. It's not really right. So. I, I don't I mean, you could be able to send a number of people down, bench a number of people. I mean, again, Cairo is minus 10. The, I, and I feel for this guy that, I mean, people were calling me to to bench Cairo. People were calling me, I mean, a number of things. But like, yeah, I get it. Cairo tries the fancy plays and he needs to, be able to simplify his game. He needs to go here to the net. But I think you've started to see that a little bit more and more, especially last night. And now that he was able to get something going, I think you're going to see a different Cairo here over the next week. You can do both though. Like you can try to make the fancy plays and be simple with like Robert Thomas is pretty much that. I mean, he makes the fancy plays, but he also is a much stronger overall player than Cairo. And that's why I don't understand why they felt the need to make do identical contracts. Like I understand like Kyrie had a great breakout season, but we still saw these same issues last season. Like they yeah. were still there, especially in the second half. Cause after the all-star break, he wasn't great. And I'm not going to blame. Could have been better. Yeah. I'm not going to blame Armstrong for that deal. I understand getting it done, believing that he's a part of the future, which he is, but there's still the frustrating issues. And I think the blue should start deploying him a little bit differently. Uh, and maybe I, I, do you consider, moving him and separating him and O'Reilly because clearly that's not something that has worked. I don't know what you do. I mean, maybe you you put neighbors back up there if you want to give him one last look or you put Barbashev up there or even Brown. But I would, I would consider Barbashev. Boy, I don't, I mean, like who, who do you put up there? Like, that's the only thing. I, I wouldn't hate Barbashev up there. That's a bit of a heavier line. Maybe create a little bit more space for O'Reilly. Because with Cairo, it's just Cairo trying to make everybody miss, and then O'Reilly's just kind of like I don't think Cairo Ryan O'Reilly is not a center that needs to be playing with that explosive speedster forward that scores a lot. Like he needs to play with the sod, the shin, right. those types. Right, and I understand why they're doing it. I totally understand why, but boy, I'm trying to see who O'Reilly played here with a lot last season let me see i know that i mean obviously it was yeah i mean for the most part it was um sod and peron here mostly and then you, of course you know you had you did have barbashev and you had buchnevich so i don't know i mean i don't think the idea of really putting somebody like barbashev up on that line would be a horrible idea and and honestly, I mean, it's it's worth a shot. You also it's worth have, a shot. There's two lines in this team that you can't touch right now, and that's the Thomas line and the Achari line. You can't touch those right. lines, and that's right. pretty much. Those are pretty much the two lines that are going to generate the most scoring opportunities at this point. So, yeah. Well, so like with that here in mind, let's go into. I won't say three biggest stars. I'll just say the biggest standout here to you over this 0-4 stretch. Who's been the biggest standout? Oh, man. Uh, that's a hard question because it's – it's there hasn't – I mean, there's four guys that I would even consider probably. I'd maybe throw one in there, but he hasn't really like played enough to where I 
can really say that much about him because he only played in three of the four games. Uh, but I guess the first name that I would think of is probably, I mean, Justin I think- Falk has been good. Uh, obviously, the plus-minus numbers are ugly, but he's producing a lot of points. Like, he has uh, five assists in these four games. Uh, but also, Braden Shin, obviously, is out there. And then I think yeah. Pitlick's been good, too. Yeah. And I think, I mean, again, in an 0-4 stretch, it's hard to be able to just pin down, like, who's your standout player. But all three of those guys are well-deserving. Thomas, especially here during that stretch. Some of those plays, especially, you know, the play that... um that Tarasenko here had in the third period where Thomas just like strips the puck has this backhand feed just over to Tarasenko just for him just to bury it. Beautiful, beautiful play. And I just, I just cannot think what this team would be without Robert Thomas here right now here also. Cause we have all expressed here before it. And, and most of us know like just how valuable the center position is, but as we've also said, when your team is not producing, you need your bottom six to step up. And that was one of the biggest differences between the Blues and Nashville and their game was you had their bottom six stand up and you had them produce in so many different ways. I mean, they were hitting, they were they were pushing around, they were scoring. They were, I mean, anything and everything that you needed them to do, they did. And that's where, again, like a Tyler Pitlick or an Achari really, really showcase what they can do. So, I don't know. I'm interested to see how this team continues to progress. I'm interested to see how, especially like the top six versus the bottom six, progress here along. Is the 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 top six, you know, like those veteran players, going to really start to differentiate themselves? But for me, I, I think you and I are on the same page. You know, it's Falk, Shen, and Pitlick. Here's like your three biggest standouts. I think Tarasenko has been pretty good too. Like I know the numbers haven't exactly been there the last few games, but he's created chances with Thomas. He's made, he's thrown some hits. Like he had a huge hit early in the game yesterday. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think he'll get there. I'm not, I mean, I'm just, I'm still stunned that a player like Ryan O'Reilly has been this bad in a, in the start to a contract year. It's just, it's stunning. It really is. And, And I almost wonder what point, if they lose both games this week, we might have to start oh, the boy. tank tank for Fantilli chance. Not Bedard, Fantilli's. Because you got a chance to get top three pick. He'll probably be third pick. Might have to start those chance. I mean, I hate to do it, but might have to. Yeah. He'd be great. If they lose O'Reilly, he'd be great center to throw in there. But obviously it's not going to happen, so I don't even know what I'm doing. No. But another thing is <laughs> there's only four players on this team that have more than five points. So you got a lot – you have 14 guys that have scored points. That doesn't seem good. That doesn't seem good at all. Like, and you have Achari, Barbashev, Neighbors, and O'Reilly all have one point in seven games. Pitlick has one in three games. Yeah. Uh, Pareko, Letty have two in seven games. Buchnevich has two in two games. And then you have Krug and Kairu with three apiece. And then Thomas with six. Tarasenko with seven, Shannon Falk with nine. It's just not enough goal scoring. It's not enough. No. It's, it's not enough scoring. It's not enough, you know, keeping the puck out of your own. Now, this is a team last season that had a really, really good goal differential. Like they were, right. despite Bennington not having a great season, 
they had a 70 goal differential. And this year right. they're already minus seven. They were plus six the last time we did this podcast. That's a big swing. That's a yeah. big swing. Holy yep. cow. So Holy they got to score more. Simple. Yep. Just simplify it. All right. Do we want to uh, preview the week here really fast? Yeah. I mean, so we've got a couple games. Couple games, quite literally a couple. Kings here on Monday. Dress up here in your best knight in shining armor or black knight, whatever you want to kind of consider it. And then you got the Islanders here on Thursday. And then they're done with their homestand. Then they're done. And it gets pretty difficult the week after. So, yep. Yep. Because you get East Coast Road. eh, Well, for two games. And you got Vegas as well. But San yeah. Jose, so who knows? Yeah. Well, so you got the Kings. Kings will be going and like they'll be back here in town. They're five and five here on the season itself. I'm not I'm not overly impressed by the Kings, but I'm not like underwhelmed by the Kings. You know, like they they had a three goal second period to help them take down the Maple Leafs. Not something to really just Stick your nose up at. You want to talk about a team that has heat on them, Toronto. Woo, jeez. Yep, yep. Um, so a couple of people to be able to keep your your eyes here on. You've got biggest, biggest standout, Gabe Velarde. Holy crap. Six goals, 10 points here on nine games. Kevin Fiala, you know, Mr. Former Minnesota Wild. He's got seven points in nine games. I mean, there's only six assists, but you know what? Tell that to Nick Backstrom that, you know, assists don't matter. So points are points here at that point. And then you got Adrian Kempe and, of course, Anze Kopitar and Trevor Moore. They all have seven points in nine games here as well. Adrian with five goals. So they're they're getting some good balanced scoring. Philip Deneau, you know, he's got four goals here in nine games. I I don't know. They're They're looking deep. And I'll be interested to see if they choose to go back to the veteran and Jonathan Quick or if they go with Cal Peterson here in this game. Who do you well, think? I would think that based on the start to the season, neither of them has been good. Right. But I think they'll go quick in this game. I think they'll go with a veteran goaltender against a veteran yeah. team that he's faced yeah. a lot. But I will say this about them. If the Blues were looking to get back on track and not – allow six goals. This is not the right game because the Kings are second in the league in scoring 36 goals. That's 18 more than the blues and what's three more games, but still 18 more That's six per game. But if the blues were looking to start scoring more, maybe score 10 goals in the game, you might be able to do it here because the Kings are also last in the league in goals against. There's going to be a game that I think that the blues are just going to do that. And they're going to score 10 points. It won't be against the Islanders. It's probably going to be this game if it's going to be won this week. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm fairly optimistic when it comes to the Kings. Um, the Blues had a good record here against them last season. They were 2-0-1. Thank you very much. With Doubled a, them up in goals. Yep. 12 to 6. So they're scrappy, bad. though. A lot of young talent. There's still some vets there. Obviously, Kopitar is still there. Um, we're saying all this. This will probably be like a two-to-one game, but uh, it feels like there's going to be a lot of goals scored. I would take it, too, as long as take it's a it. win. But yep, uh, you got to get back in the win column. You got two more games at home this week. You got you to gotta get points in either both games or at least 
two. I mean, I'd, I'd prefer mm-hmm. three or four points, but you never know. And right. then obviously with the Kings, it feels like they were much better against the Blues a couple years ago than last season, but there's still a lot of the similar faces. And like you said, Fiala's there now. Fiala, uh, if I remember correctly, was brutal against the Blues the last time we saw him in that playoff series. Um, so whatever that, whatever you want to do about that. Uh, he's obviously on a different team now and, uh, you know, fresh start. But in the regular season against the Blues last year, he had three points in three games. So uh, we'll see. We will see. I mean, I'm not – the Kings don't scare me when it comes to goaltending. I think one interesting thing this week that we'll see is what the Islanders do against the Blues because they're a team that's very good uh, structurally with good goaltending as well. So that's a, a team that's always kind of been tough against the Blues. So – uh, it's not like an overly hard week of games. If you want to get back on right. track, you'd like to do it here. But playing two games in a week, definitely I don't like that at all. I'd rather get you three or four, keep going. But now they're going to slow down. They're going to play two, and they play four or five games next week. So not great. Yeah, the schedule has not been the easiest for them to really find some good rhythm and everything. But as Barube mentioned here yesterday, practice, simplify things. You know, They'll play one game. They'll have a couple of days off. So hopefully some good time to be able to practice and just simplify it. Maybe that's just going to be what they ordered. So like yeah. what they need. So, all right. Anything else here from you? Um, you got your, uh, you got your Packers came here tonight. We're recording here yeah, a little bit early be, today. That's so. going to be disgusting to watch. I think that all of my teams have decided to be terrible at once and I don't like it, but what can you do? I mean, I, I hope that the Blues turn around. I'm pretty confident that they will. But I'm yeah. also thinking in the back of my head, like, it wouldn't stun me if they continued this way. Now, one thing that I think is interesting is if the Blues are, like, seventh in the Central in, like, mid-December, I mean, oh, what do they do about boy. Baruby in that case? Because I feel like he's not a coach that should be in the hot seat at all this season. But with the way that hockey's been and how many coaching firings we've seen the last couple of years, I feel like they might make a move there. And I think that's I the think, wrong decision. Yeah, I think Armstrong and by that extent, you know, ownership would be willing to just give him give him a pass. So I I, I don't know, but as like depending on how they do would really dictate what next season would mm-hmm. look like. Well, at that so, point, if you're if you're that bad that late in the season, and I don't think we're going to see a repeat of 19 ever again, but if you're that bad, then you got it. Your prediction of uh, somebody being traded at the deadline could come true in that case. Oh yeah, yeah, you could be able to see several Sanko, players traded. O'Reilly. Yep, you could see so several we'll see. players traded. Hopefully, we don't see that. Hopefully, we don't see that at all. Hopefully, the next time we're on, they're back on track. The good thing for them is that the NHL, especially in the West, doesn't really have any sort of juggernaut. I mean, the only team in the league right now that I would say is just running through everybody is the Bruins, which shout out to Jim Montgomery. He's done a really good job. And shout out here to us and our poor predictions. <laughs> you're well, I had them third. That, so you're thinking fourth, that the Bruins but... were not going to play overly well. They're proof that structure works. Because their defense right now are is they, like, look at their defense on paper right now. Are the Blues just missing Jim Montgomery that much? Could be, could be. I mean, I know people said it'd be a big loss. I don't think. I mean, he was really good here with what he did, but the the power is this been just fine like the, without him. Is this just the Craig McTavish effect? Could be as well. Ooh. 
I mean, the Bruins are what eight and one with without McAvoy and and uh, it's and they just got Marshan back, yeah, a month early. Lindholm, Grizzlick, Forbert, Clifton, Strawman, Carlo. That defensive unit on paper is not any better than the Blues. No, and here they are. So scoring does matter too, but we'll see. We'll see if the Blues can figure it out. So, uh, all right, we will see you uh, next episode thirty four. Hopefully the Blues are back on track by then. Make sure to follow the podcast Twitter account at TBNPod. Follow me on Twitter at Ethan Carter SW. Follow Mike on Twitter at at M underscore Meyer three. And we'll see you next time for episode number 34 of the Blue Note podcast. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.